Welcome to Chit Chat, a judgment-free forum for conversation around hot topics that impact the Indian American community, inspired by the latest episodes from Family Karma. Welcome back to Chit Chat. Today we have a special guest on our show, too, actually. We're chatting today with the Two Average Brown Girls. Two Average Brown Girls, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourselves? My name's Ravni. And I'm Jafran. We make up the Two Average Brown Girls. A little bit about ourselves, we are... 30-year-olds living in Toronto. We are best friends. We grew up together, went to high school and university. We love all things South Asian, media, television, entertainment, and podcasting now. I think that's really great that we have so many sets of strong brown women coming together discussing kind of our identity as a group. And does anybody have any childhood stories of when they kind of first realized that they may be embarrassed um, because they were different. I had a pretty traumatizing one. I mean, I still remember it like 25 years later. The one brown person in my elementary school made this comment about me having a mustache and how my arms were so hairy. And being a brown person or being a brown female at that time, you're so young, you don't know that, you know, this hair is like not deemed to be beautiful in society and whatnot. I started crying and I ran away and then I hated that kid forever. Oh, I don't like that kid either. I had a similar kind of story with hairiness. We were kind of like sitting outside. They were like, well, do you shave your arms? I was like, no, I don't. They're like, well, you'd need a lawnmower for that. And then I was just like, do I need a lawnmower? (laughs) Oh no. I do also just remember certain things that even though you maybe have been here for a while, things are just pronounced differently or said differently. I was very enthusiastic and I raised my hand to read like an article out loud one time and I mispronounced the word develop. Um, I said developed and everybody just laughed at the end of it. And they were like, you know, that's not how you develop pictures. You Thankfully, that's not an issue anymore with iPhones and whatnot. But it was a kind of an embarrassing moment where I was like, well, my parents say develop. So I thought that was the right way to say it. <laughs> and it's mm-hmm. not. First time that I went for like to get waxed on my arm. You talked about lawnmowers, Priyanka. Um, <laughs> the woman who was waxing my arm was like, this is like a jungle because we were from Miami. <laughs> <laughs> we're pretty much like funding their entire business. They should show them. <laughs> they should appreciate us. I remember as a child always having my hair tied in a ponytail just because it was so big. And it, and I remember a few girls coming up to me. They were just like, she's like, why don't you ever put your hair down? I recognize that that was a difference in me and other kids where they have like the soft, smooth hair. And mine was always poofy and massive. I had my, my daughter when she was four years old, I remember her coming up to me. She's quite fair for being Indian. And an Indian girl in her class was like, oh, you're not Indian because you're not brown like the rest of us. And she came home to me upset and crying. And she's like, mama, like they said, I'm not Indian because I'm not like them. And it's kind of like the opposite problem of what many of us said. I was told things like, oh, don't drink Coke. It's going to make you darker. Drink Sprite. I used to have people from like back home bring Fair and Lovely because, yeah. you know, put bleach on your skin. That's great for you. People always want like a really fair bride and like I would never be allowed out in the sun when all the other kids were playing outside. I was like, oh, you're going to get too dark. I don't know if that was different because we grew up in Miami and there were lots of tan people around us. I think it was because I don't remember feeling that as much. I did. I heard it from my mom. To this day, anytime I spend any time outside, she's always like, don't get too dark. I think in Asian culture across the board, 
the fairer that you are, the more beautiful you are. When you're dressing up the bride, they pack on a crap ton of foundation that's like four shades lighter. I see it changing a lot more now, but that was the norm. If you look at geishas, for example, and pack on a lot of really, really fair makeup and I used to work in the makeup industry and all of the products that do really well in Asian countries are all brightening or skin lightening products. Comments that I hear people in my family make every now and then, they'll see a girl who's maybe getting married to one of my cousins or someone on TV and they'll say, oh, she's very pretty, but she's very dark. She's pretty for being dark skinned. In terms of things that I felt embarrassed about, I used to do Bartonathium as a kid. We used to drive like an hour and a half to the school that we would perform in. I would be in full like head to toe Bartonathium gear. And for those of you who don't know that means like you've got head pieces flowers in your hair fake hair like really bold intense makeup really bright sorry like it's just it's a lot the entire hour and a half ride I just remember being stared at by everyone on the road and feeling so different I remember seeing people like pointing at me and being like oh look if I ever like got out of the car they would call it a costume looking back I think that that's it's kind of not fair because it's not a costume. It's just everyday wear for us. Okay, maybe the Bartonathium outfit is more costume-like, but regular regular Indian clothes are not costume-like. It's like you're you're a character, not a real person. I did a Bartonathium dance for a talent show in elementary school, and I just like ate it really hard. And I was really embarrassed by that, but I got up and I, I kept doing it and I felt all proud of myself. And right afterward, the guy that I liked came up to me and I thought that he was gonna say something nice and I was pretty excited about it. And he was like, that was gross. It yeah. still gets to me. He, the next year, um, started dating this beautiful, like blonde haired girl. I was like, oh, I'm not part of the crowd that, that's appealing or attractive. And I maybe never will be. Did he say why gross? He said that was gross. And then his he and his friends started laughing. And that was it. I was also like a really dorky kid. We all were. We thought <laughs> we were cool. We were yeah. Kids are mean. When I was really young, there was like a couple like brown guys that I liked, but they were all the like white girls oh that's what's beautiful and that's what's wanted yeah being quote-unquote exotic was not really a thing and no (laughs) (laughs) what are parts of our culture that we do want to pass on to our children and which ones do we want to keep away from them i grew up a lot of like judgment or being kind of boxed in i definitely want to give my kids a little bit more freedom and how they become who they are when they're older make choices whether it's what job they're going to do, what kind of friends they're going to have, what extracurriculars they're going to take part in, what hobbies they have. Because I was kind of told, oh, all the other brown kids are doing piano. You have to do piano. You have to be doctor, lawyer, engineer, all that stuff. You're not allowed to be a server. Like I really wanted that as like my first job. And like, no, brown kids don't work at Boston Pizza. Yeah. I felt like I got my greatest sense of community as a child and my closest friends from our Indian culture and our Indian community. I think it is something that I would definitely want to pass on. I think the biggest thing that I would pass down is to not apologize for your culture. Sorry, my food smells. No, just embrace it because it smells delicious. <laughs> and it um, tastes delicious. <laughs> exactly. Don't apologize for, for who you are. Enjoy it. Embrace it. It's a great culture. There was a camp as a child, Rashika, Neha and I went to and our moms would send us with tiffins of Indian food and we'd all bring like a different bhaji and a different mani and dal and everyone would look, look at us lay out our, our little picnic of Indian food and at that point I didn't feel embarrassed but if I had to do that alone I would be so I think when you have that 
community with you, you there's a little bit of a power in numbers. Everybody else literally had like a sandwich and we had like yeah. a eight course meal. <laughs> That's not the better meal. <laughs> I do appreciate that they unapologetically did things like that. Where yeah. in some situations I can see people bending and wanting to assimilate in a way that's more convenient and they just didn't do that and they made an effort to keep us connected to our culture whether it was through religious camps whether it was through Diwali functions talking to us about the culture telling us stories about things in India that we wouldn't have learned about otherwise but if I could change one thing that I'd pass along to my kids I about my upbringing I think that I would emphasize education and career more than it was emphasized for me growing up the emphasis for me was really to get married and I think that's what they were trying to kind of drill into my brain as the priority for an adult woman. And I, I would probably flip that. When we talked about being an unapologetic, when did that thought like first cross your mind? Was it high school? Was it taking out your lunches and eating together that you kind of embraced your brown girl identity? It was when I started university. We didn't have a lot of brown friends in high school. There was like about three of us, uh, Jaffa. Yeah. And, and we were all friends. So, <laughs> yeah, and we were all friends. But when we went to university, there was this whole like South Asian extracurricular group and they had these like huge productions and huge dances. And there was a, a competition at the end of the year where it was different universities from all over and we would compete. And I think that's where I was like, this is amazing. I didn't know brown people were that talented in terms of just like building sets, costumes, dances, and makeup and choreography. I would never have thought I would have that many brown friends at the end of it. But I think that's where it really blossomed. The great thing about it was part of the club was also putting on other events and getting South Asians together more. So it made you reach out and find more of them, whereas I'd never done that in the past. I never seeked out other South Asians. I don't know if it's weird to say that like quarantine was like the time that I in college I think I steered away from the brown crowd to my detriment I feel like I would have loved to be part of the volley and stuff and I just wasn't um and then even afterward I feel like I had a pretty diverse group of friends I kind of saw myself as this floating somebody but I feel like in quarantine the people that I've kind of flocked to are largely brown it's hard to ignore that like all the people that I'm talking to are brown you know and, and it's what I enjoy if I wanted to fight it I couldn't anymore because we were literally talking about brown girl identity and so like, <laughs> and these girls know that I fought it that I was like trying to talk about other stuff I feel like along the way of the last few weeks, literally, I feel like I've realized that there's a lot of stuff that I haven't really thought about or like accepted about myself. Now that I'm looking at it more closely. It feels like something that I enjoy and something that I kind of want to sit more into. It's never too late to like learn more about yourself. I feel like I have like a brown Miami girl identity. <laughs> so when I went to college, I I joined the South Asian dance group, I joined the Latin dance group, and I felt like, okay, like I've got a little piece of home with me. And everyone's kind of accepting of everyone in college because there's not really like those cliques you see in high school. Did you have a really clicky high school? Because I yes. know personally, yes, there were cliques, but there didn't feel as much of that popular group, the mm -hmm. nerds. So I, know. I said this to my husband recently, um, that there were no nerds at our high school. 
And he was like, that's what a nerd would say. So I was, I was <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I myself. When I went to grad school, I didn't feel accepted as part of the brown community there. So I, in turn, I didn't really hang out with a lot of Indian people. It was more so like Indians who were actually coming from India. We had an Indian organization, but it was primarily for them to help them assimilate to the American culture. I remember asking if I could join and they were kind of looked at me and said like, mm, if you want, really implying that it wasn't for me. And I, it was kind of the first time where I was like, oh shoot, am I like a different kind of Indian and should I feel embarrassed by that? And I think to Neha's point, what's happening in quarantine is we're talking about it a lot. And when you actually talk about it, you find the comfort in it. You just kind of start to feel attached to it. Like you realize how ingrained it is in you and you can't, you can't help it. <laughs> I kind of feel the same way too. In my job, it has a lot of immigrants in there. I work in IT. And I notice I'm kind of the outcast because I'm the one that was born here and I don't have an accent and all of them are kind of forming their own cliques. Thanks for joining us to Average Brown Girls. It's great to know that there are people out there that can relate to our experiences trying to assimilate our brownness into everyday life. Hopefully we may reflect on some of those seemingly embarrassing childhood moments as a statement of how dynamic and colorful our culture can really be. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Chit Chat. Follow us on Instagram or Twitter at chitchat.podcast if you have any questions, thoughts, comments, or topics for us to discuss in the future. Or if you'd like to have a one-on-one conversation with us, send us an email at ilovechitchat at gmail.com. Don't forget, chat has two A's.